0: All right, well, good morning again, everybody, and welcome to Calvary. We're so glad that you're with us. Again, if it's your first time, we wanna give you a special welcome today. We'd love to meet you just outside the Welcome Center. Our mission's pretty simple here, but it aligns with what Jesus told us. Love God. Love people and go change the world. That's what we're all about here. And so uh, if you're watching us online, we say welcome to you too. whether you're on podcast or YouTube or Facebook. In fact, if you're on Facebook and want to share your status right now or share the video with your friends and family, that'd be a good time to do that, to let people know that you are worshiping here at Calvary. Well, we are in week number three in a series on the end times that we have entitled Tipping Point. You know, the signs of the times, the, the prophecies from the word of God, unrighteousness, a rejection of truth is, is on the rise. So much so that we may very well have reached a tipping point that is ushering in the end of the end times and the rapture of the church and the tribulation. And you'll remember uh, a couple of weeks ago. We looked at Daniel chapter 9 and the 490 years, the 70 sets of seven years that were prophesied to Daniel for the people of Israel, and of course the first four hundred and eighty three years was, uh, was fulfilled with incredible accuracy by the way and, and right now we 're kind of in a holding pattern we 're in uh, the church age in fact, I showed you this chart a couple of weeks ago, and if you want this i 'm happy to, to email it to you, uh, you know the whole four hundred and eighty three years that was over here, and right now we are in the present church age you know when Jesus ascended to the Father, and sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, that ushered in the church age. And and Jesus said, hey, by the way, you non-Jews, you Gentiles, you're welcome too. You're welcome to come and receive salvation. You're welcome to to come and enjoy uh, eternal life in heaven with me. And so right now we are in the church age. And so what we're doing right now is we're telling others about Jesus. God is allowing time for us to get the word out about Jesus who loves and heals and saves and wants to have a relationship with you. So, right, this is our present age. We are in the church age. But at any moment, it could end and it could begin, it could kick off that last seven years, that last set of seven years. And that's gonna happen when the rapture takes place. And as soon as the rapture takes place, the believers, the Christians are going to have a private event with Jesus in the air, and we're going to go with him to heaven. Meanwhile, it's going to kick off the last seven years of earth called the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to present himself. He's going to sign a treaty with Israel, and there's actually going to be a period of time of of relative peace and, and some prosperity and all of that. But about halfway through, there's going to be what's called the desecration of abomination, the desecration of the temple, where the Antichrist goes to the temple. By the way, there will be a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. He's gonna proclaim himself. He's gonna kick the Jews out and sit on the throne and proclaim himself to be God. It's crazy because people are actually gonna fall for it and they're gonna worship this Antichrist. And then that's gonna kick off the final three and a half years, which Jesus actually called the Great Tribulation. It's going to be an incredible, uh, as far as bad, (laughs) incredibly bad, bad time here on the earth, like none of which the earth has ever seen before. And we're actually, in a few weeks, we're going to talk in greater detail about what the timeline of the tribulation looks like. But at the end of seven years, Jesus is going to say, what? You know what? Enough's enough. And he's going to come down from heaven all the way this time with his saints, and he's going to destroy the evil ones at the great battle of Armageddon. Okay, that's actually the second coming of Christ when he comes all the way down. The first time, is a private event, he comes not quite all the way down. We meet him in the air halfway. But the next time, at the end of the seven years, the actual second coming of Christ He's gonna come all the way down to the Mount of Olives and destroy and annihilate the enemy. And that's gonna usher in the millennial reign of Christ. 1,000 years right here on this earth. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be peaceful. There actually, by the way, will be, we're gonna have glorious bodies, right, if you're a Christian. But you may have been here for this tribulation. In the, there's actually gonna be physical people here too that are living. But it's gonna be incredible time where Jesus sits and rules and reigns from the capital city, Jerusalem. It's gonna be awesome. Then he's gonna release Satan for just a short period of time. And then eventually we'll have the eternal state, the new heavens, the new earth, the new city, Jerusalem. It's gonna be awesome. So if you want that chart, email it to me, or you can just Google. And I'm sure there's, they're out there, timeline of the end times. But when the rapture takes place, and it could happen any moment, it's gonna usher in that final seven years. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the importance of some of the recent peace treaties that were just signed right down the road in Washington, D.C., you know, Bahrain and the UAE and Israel were all there and they signed peace treaties. And that same Sunday, we also looked at four road signs that are really telling that we are moving closer and closer and closer to the return of the Lord. And we are living in a generation that is seeing signs of the times at an unprecedented pace. And Matthew 24 said that the generation that sees all of these things takes place. And I believe that we are that generation, by the way. That generation will usher in the return of the Lord. And so I'm not predicting when or where. In fact, Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour. I'm just telling you that Bible prophecies are pointing that we are getting closer and closer and closer to the end of the age. So today, we wanna talk about the rapture. I wanna give you some details about the rapture. Everybody say the word rapture. rapture. Now, whether you've been in the church for a long time or you're new to this thing, I believe that God has something he wants to speak to your heart today. So I just encourage you to lean into his word today. But uh, how many are familiar with the word rapture? You can raise your hand if you want. Okay, most hands. Now, if you grew up like me, I grew up in a Christian home. I was so blessed. Grew up in a Christian home. In fact, uh, my dad was a pastor all my life in fact he still is a minister of the gospel Um, but I grew up and we would talk about the rapture a lot in fact a lot of the, the the teachings the the pastors the preachers we talked about at church the rapture a lot so much so that maybe you're kind of my generation you kind of became a little frightened about it you know because I said you better be ready he could come and you don't want to be left behind. And then sometimes people would play jokes on you, right? And they'd, they'd leave out their clothes, like in position, like, pfft, he's gone, right? And no less than one or two times, I can remember getting home from school thinking that mom and dad were supposed to be there and they're nowhere to be found. Mom, dad, where are you? No answer. Now my sister's still there, but that didn't make a difference. I, she wasn't going in. If you're watching, I'm just kidding. I love you, sister. But I would, you know, I'd be scared to death. Man, where's mom? Where's dad? I couldn't find him in the basement or in their bedroom or, or anywhere else. Where are they? And so uh, there was this fear and trembling that would take place. And some of you are nodding because you kind of experienced that same thing growing up. You experienced those moments. But today I want to give us a working understanding of what the rapture Is all about. And as with everything, we look to Scripture for faith and practice. What we're gonna share today is not man's ideas or man's opinions. We look to the Scripture, we look to the Word of God for the ultimate authority. In fact, some people might say, well, when I come to church, it's just like a Bible study. Yes, that's right. That's what we do here. We open up the Bible, and we see what it has to say to us, and we let the Spirit of God speak to us through His Word. And we encourage you to dig into God's Word on your own, by the way. If you're just hearing the Word of God on Sundays, you're in trouble. Okay? I encourage you to dig into God's Word. You don't need a middleman to read you the Scripture. You can take the Word of God home and read it and dig into it every day. But the rapture is this incredible event when God the Father sends his son Jesus for his church, for his chosen ones, and, and they, he rescues us from this earth, and we are caught up to meet him in the air, and of course, as we just said, that will also kick off the seven-year uh, tribulation. But Paul gives quite a descriptive picture of what this looks like in the book of First Thessalonians. In fact, a lot of Thessalonians talks about this topic. But I'm gonna specifically share with you right now from chapter four, beginning with verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or follow along on your Bible app. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Let me just pause right there. I was at a funeral earlier this week by a saint of the Lord who had gone on to meet Jesus. And the people in that funeral did not grieve like those who had no hope. They grieved well because they knew that this was just a temporary see you later. I'm gonna see you soon in heaven, Grandma. Okay. As Christ followers, when loved ones die, we don't grieve hopelessly. We have hope that we will be reunited, but Let's get back to the scripture. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. We're not gonna get to go before them. So Paul shares a very simple and clear explanation of what the rapture is. And this actually, by the way, is one of the premier passages of the word of God, especially when dealing, uh, especially when dealing with the topic of the end times. This is one of the premier uh, passages of the, of the Bible. But there is coming a day that Jesus is going to return to take away his church, to take away his bride, and those who died first again, I just was at a funeral of one of these saints who died first, they get to be raptured first, okay? Their spirits are gonna be united with a new and glorious and immortal body. It's gonna be awesome, I can't wait. And then those of us who remain, who are still alive, are gonna come right after. We're gonna be caught up to join with them to meet Jesus, who's gonna take us to heaven. Now, you'll notice in this passage, and every passage in the scripture, by the way, does not use the word rapture. So why are you talking about a topic that's not even mentioned in the word of God, even in the Bible? Well, much of the New Testament was written in uh, the Greek language. And in the Greek, the original Greek, the word used here is harpazo. Can you say harpazo? That's pretty good, class. Harpazo. Here's the definition of harpazo. This is a Greek word. To seize, to carry off, to claim for oneself eagerly, to snatch out or away. Now, when the Bible was translated from Greek to Latin first, that word harpazo was translated rapturo, R-A-P-T-U-R-O. And of course, rapturo is where we get the English word rapture. And this word rapture carries with it a sense of excitement. Okay, the rapture should excite us, not cause us to be nervous or fearful or trembling. Okay, rapture carries with it excitement. You know, I think of uh, some of you that are dating, you know, and and you're, you're hanging out with that new handsome guy. And your heart just gets raptured. I just get so raptured when I'm with him. Or maybe music, maybe you look at music that way, and there's certain kinds of music that raptures your heart, and you just kind of get caught up in all of that. The word rapture should come with it a sense of excitement. This is going to be an incredible experience where we are raptured, where we are caught up to meet Jesus. And there is a generation that will not experience physical death here on this earth. Isn't that interesting? Now, the scripture says it's appointed uh, unto man once to die and then the judgment. But there is a generation who will not experience death here on the earth. We're just gonna be caught up and we'll have new bodies when we meet Jesus in the air. And we could be that generation. Now, some of you grew up being Motivated by fear. I just shared a little bit about that. And by the way, Kelly and I tease, as long as Pastor Wes is still here, you don't have to worry. The rapture has not taken place. He's still here. So you're good, okay? <laughs> but uh, we, know, we grew up with this fear, and uh, there's this term, uh, FOMO. I don't, do you say FOMO? I don't know if you say it. Fear of missing out is what, is what that means. Uh, stands for. And this kind of fear of missing out on the rapture is the ultimate type of FOMO. But I want to encourage you, you don't need to be discouraged. You don't need to tremble about this. You just need to be ready. So let's read another well-known passage from the Apostle Paul. Now he's writing to the Corinthians. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Not all of us are gonna die. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, so they'll have new, immortal, glorious bodies, and we will be changed. So those of us that are alive and remaining, we're gonna be changed. For the perishable must close itself We've got to get new clothes. We've got to get imperishable clothes and the mortal with immortality. So this is a companion verse to what we just read in Thessalonians that the dead's going to rise first. They're going to get new bodies. Then we who are alive and remain are going to get caught up and it's going to be like that. It's going to be a flash, a moment and the twinkling of an eye. That is so fast that you can't even measure the time period. Now, let's look at what Jesus had to say. This is what he said in Luke chapter 12, uh, 17. I'm sorry, Luke 17, 24 through 35. For the son of man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. And can you just imagine that? This is gonna be like a cataclysmic kind of thing. Lightning flashing through the sky. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Of course, Jesus was talking about his... Upcoming persecution and death on the cross. That has to happen first, and that did happen. Just as it was in the day of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. We just talked about that with Pastor Milton. Just in the days of Noah, where Noah's family was rescued in the ark, and then God was allowed to execute judgment. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered to the ark. So life was going on as normal up until the very day that he sealed up Noah and his family in the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So again, life is normal until the day that they were snatched out It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? If you don't know that story, you should read it. It's quite interesting. She turned into a pillar of salt because she tried to go back. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Okay, there's a lot to digest in this passage right here. But notice that the rapture, that's what we just described. This was Jesus, one of Jesus's versions of the rapture. Notice that the rapture is selective. When the Lord comes back, he knows who's in and who's not in. He knows who's his true followers and who aren't. So what this tells us is that the gospel, Christianity, is both exclusive and inclusive. The gospel is exclusive in that the only way you can meet the Father, the only way you can have eternal life, the only way you go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Not because I said it, but because the Word of God says it. It's exclusive. There's not multiple paths to heaven. Now, it's exclusive, but it's also inclusive. Scripture says that whosoever will can come. Whosoever will can come, regardless of your, of your background, of your skin color, of your ethnicity, or your education level, regardless of any of that, your, your, your wealth, your economic status, regardless of any of that, you are all invited to come and meet Jesus in spite of your past, in spite of what you've gone through, the mistakes, the sin, whatever you've gone through. The gospel is inclusive. You are welcome at the table of Jesus. The gospel is exclusive and inclusive. But Jesus says he knows who it is. So it doesn't matter where you're standing, where you're sitting, where you're working, even who you're lying in bed with. Jesus said that there's gonna be a time when there's two people laying in one bed and poof, one is gone. The other's left on bed. Same thing with workers in the field. There's gonna be two people working together in the field and all of a sudden, my buddy's gone and I'm left behind. That's a pretty incredible thought. One will be taken, one will be left behind. And as true believers, we don't have to fear that day okay be encouraged we look forward to that day in fact kelly and i just celebrated uh, on monday our 18th wedding anniversary and uh, it was it was yes you can uh, she's a saint can you believe putting up 18 years yeah, yeah she was only 8 when we i'm kidding that's a joke i'm kidding but uh, what I, we were reflecting on our wedding and how we looked forward to our wedding day. We were so excited. We were so in love. We, were, we could not wait for the wedding day to arrive. Uh, I, I don't, I, the first service, I saw a couple of young married couples that had been married even less than a year. And so you can remember what that feeling was like. Man, that wedding day can't get here soon enough. I am anticipating, I can't wait to march down the aisle and be, reun- and be united with my bride, with my new spouse, and we start our married life together. We are so excited about that. Well, scripture describes the church as the bride of Christ. And Jesus as the groom. He's the bridegroom. So, just like here on earth, uh, our fiances you know, the the would-be groom and the would-be bride are so excited. They're looking forward with anticipation and excitement. They can't wait. So it should be, as the church, waiting for Jesus, our groom, to be married to our groom. It should be something that we are looking forward to with great anticipation. I can't wait for the wedding. That should be our attitude. Here's what Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus, he's talking to his disciples here. He likens his return to a groom who comes and returns for his bride, who comes and receives his bride. Now, he's using Jewish wedding language here. They did weddings. Obviously, they did weddings a lot different than uh, how we do weddings in modern day. Back then, when a couple was engaged, the would-be groom would uh, have had that uh, you know that that engagement whatever but he would then leave and go to his father's house for a year sometimes up to 2 years by the way he would he would go and prepare a place for his bride in his father's house and say babe I can't wait to, me, to to marry you and get our married life started but before we do that I got to go I got to go to dad's house He's, he's going to let us have some extra room. We're going to expand. We're going to build on. We're going to renovate dad's house. And he goes and prepares a place, an expansion for his bride. And then at the appropriate moment, when the father says, okay, I think we're ready, son. Why don't you go back? Go get your bride. At the appropriate moment, he sends his groom back to get his bride. It's the same with Jesus and the church. When everything is ready, when Father God says, it's time, he's going to kind of give a little shoulder to his son who's at his right hand on the throne with God in heaven, preparing a play. Hey, it's time, go get your bride. That's what it's gonna be like. And that time when we, re- we are united with him in the air is the rapture. And not only is it going to be a glorious, uh, uh, wonderful time of excitement and celebration, but it's also a big rescue from the tribulation. We talked about this just a moment ago. But Jesus links the rapture to the tribulation. When the rapture happens, soon thereafter, the tribulation begins, commences, Once we have been removed from the earth, God is now allowed, just like in the days of Noah, God was then allowed to execute his judgment, just as in the days of Lot, once his chosen ones are rescued, he's now able to execute his judgment. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to someone right outside the Welcome Center. He has a friend, he wanted a clear explanation because he has a friend whose church is pretty adamant that the church, the bride of Christ, will go through the tribulation. And I said, no, that's not the case. We just read what Jesus said, and I'm gonna share some more scripture in just a moment. In fact, here's what Paul says in in 1 Thessalonians chapter one. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Paul's saying what Jesus said. Here's what he says a few chapters over, First Thessalonians chapter four. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. We're not children of the night. We're children of the day, children of the light. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God, here we go again, did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing so Paul says be encouraged you're going to be rescued from the coming wrath you are not destined to live through the coming judgment he says encourage your brother encourage your sister now if we were supposed to go through the great tribulation that would not be very encouraging hey let me encourage you guys you're going to go through hell on earth in that good news That's not very encouraging. In fact, that's the opposite. That's discouraging. Paul says, encourage one another because you are not gonna have to endure the rapture. You're gonna be able to escape the rapture. You're gonna be rescued before the coming judgment. That news should encourage us. Now, if you do not escape, if you do not go on the first elevator up to heaven, It's gonna be hell on earth like you've never seen. Let me share a little scripture from the book of Revelation. John wrote this. He was a really, really old man and and God gave him a vision. And he says, the beast was given a mouth to speak. This is during the tribulation. You're left behind. You missed the elevator. They speak in arrogant and blasphemous words and authority to act for 42 months. That's half of that seven-year period. And the beast opened its mouth to speak blasphemies against God and to slander his name and his tabernacle, those who dwell in heaven. Then the beast was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. The beast, the evil one, is gonna be given authority over the saints. That's because the church is gone. Lawlessness is completely unleashed. Now, it, this doesn't mean that, that you won't be able to get saved. He won't be able to take your faith, but he will be able to destroy you. Let's move on. Chapter 20 of Revelation. Then I saw the thrones, and those seated on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony of Jesus. Again, this is during the tribulation. Beheaded during the tribulation for their testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So they're going to lose their physical life. But they're going to be given brand new bodies. And reign with Jesus for a thousand years. So John tells us. That those who do not take the mark. We just read it on the previous slide. Those who do not take the mark of the beast. And are saved. During the tribulation. Will be persecuted. Like you've never seen. And not only will they be persecuted. They will likely be executed. Murdered. And we just read the word beheaded. Beheaded. It will be evil like you have never seen before. By the way, that is still a better option than taking the mark of the beast, okay? And for whatever you're left behind, don't take it, okay? If you take it, uh, Revelation says that you're doomed now to eternal separation from God in a place called hell. So do not take that. So as, as gruesome and terrible as this is, it's better than the alternative, Now, we've just read a lot of scripture from John, from Paul, from Jesus himself, that I believe points to a pre-tribulation rapture, that we are not destined to go through the tribulation. And I encourage you, once again, dig into God's word and see what it says because like I said, I met that friend a couple of weeks ago who their church is convinced that, that we're either in the tribulation right now or that the church is destined and determined to have to go through the tribulation. There are many people who say that we're in the tribulation or that we'll have to go through, but, but God's word is clear. We will not have to be here for the tribulation and that should encourage us, by the way. So, well, if we are raptured, For caught up, for with Jesus, if we're not here for the tribulation, then where will we be? What's going to happen right after the rapture? Well, Jesus is going to take us, with all the saints, up to heaven. During that seven-year tribulation period here on the earth, we are going to be celebrating with Jesus in heaven, that 70th set of seven years. Year 484 through uh, 490, we're going to be with Jesus in heaven, celebrating the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven. So here on earth, it's gonna be the wrath of the lamb. In heaven, it's gonna be the, the celebration, the marriage supper of the lamb. And check this out. In Jewish customs, the guests, the family, the bride and the groom, they would celebrate a wedding for seven days for one week. Isn't that cool? The wedding celebration for us with Jesus is gonna be seven years. It's gonna be awesome. So while the earth will be experiencing tribulation, we're gonna be experiencing celebration. We're gonna be celebrating uh, a wedding. It's gonna be awesome. And by the way, come back in a, in a couple of weeks. We're gonna be, t- maybe next week, I haven't decided which week we're gonna, we're gonna talk in great detail about that tribulation period. Uh, we're going to, so make sure to come back for that. But we want to be ready For the rapture we want to be ready for the wedding day and in Jewish weddings the bride had to be watching and waiting and ready for the return of the groom there was no text message sent out hey babe I'll be there at five o'clock you just had to be ready in fact Jesus told a really cool story about 10 virgins who were waiting for the wedding this is a parable that he told his followers At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. So he was delayed for whatever reason. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. He's here. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, "Uh, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil, go into town, go down the road real quick, maybe buy some oil for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open up the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Then Jesus closed it by saying, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Man, what a parable, what a story that he just shared. He's saying, you've got to be ready, bride of Christ, You've got to be ready for my return. It might be a while. I could be delayed for whatever reason. Maybe the father is buying time to allow more people to come to know Jesus or whatever it might be. But we cannot allow his delay. He's been delayed for 2,000 years. We cannot allow his delay to cause us to become lazy or complacent in our relationship and our walk with the Lord. The bride didn't know the day or the hour. They just had to be ready only the ones with oil will be able to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Only those who have enough oil and a real relationship will be able to enter into heaven before the banquet door is shut. So Jesus is telling his followers, don't run out of oil. Don't let your passion and love for Jesus wane Don't run out of oil. Don't become complacent in your walk with the Lord. Spiritual preparation and readiness cannot be borrowed or bought at the last minute. You're not gonna be able to run to town real quick and say, oh, can I get some oil real quick? Your relationship with Jesus has to be your own. You can't borrow somebody else's oil. Young person, You can't get into heaven on the coattails of your mom and dad. You have to have your own relationship with the Lord, husband, wife. You can't get on the the coattails of your spouse. Your relationship with Jesus must be your own. But here's the good news. Right now, you are still living in an age of grace. The Spirit of God is still calling The spirit of God is still moving and he's inviting in his gentle way for you to come have a relationship with him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be left out of the wedding banquet. (laughs) I want to be in with the first elevator above. I want to be in that marriage supper of the lamb. I don't want to have to go through the tribulation. I want to be celebrating our wedding with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. So today you've been given a clear and understandable explanation from scripture about the coming of the Lord. I did not make up a story. I did not share with you Ferguson's opinions. We just opened up the scripture and we said what it had to say. We read the word of God. That's why we encourage you once again, I'll say it for the third time, open up your Bible. That's a great way to have a relationship with Jesus connect with him it's the word of God it's your compass it's your roadmap let it speak to you let it guide you let it direct you let it speak to you just because someone on tv or youtube claims to have all the answers doesn't mean that they do we got to look to scripture Jesus said that there would be many false prophets in the last days so sometimes we just have to cut out all that noise And look what do you what did you say Jesus what did your words say so what does that mean for us today Well, we've said it before. We'll probably say it again. Plan as if Jesus is coming back in a long time. Scripture talks about the importance of planning, making preparations. It's good to save. It's good. Go ahead and get married. Start your career. Buy that house, whatever it might be. Enjoy life. Plan as if you're going to be here for a while. That's okay. But we need to live as if Jesus is coming back today. Because the truth is, he might he might just come back today. And so in the meantime, I'm just going to kind of do this, kind of have rapture practice, right? <laughs> I didn't the first service didn't get that one, right? So anytime you see your kids jumping up, oh, you're having rapture practice. <laughs> we want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen, everybody. Hey, right there in your seat. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You've been given a clear explanation of what the rapture looks like. Soon the trumpet's going to sound. Jesus is going to rapture us up. We're going to be caught up to meet him with the air. We're going to join with those who have already died. And that could happen today. It could happen next week. It could happen next year, next decade. No one knows the day or the hour. We just read that. And here's the thing. Even if the rapture comes 50 years from now, you're not promised tomorrow. Your soul might meet eternity this very day. Nobody's promised tomorrow. So you need to know that you know that you're ready to meet Jesus. So how are you you living? How are your priorities? Just take a moment right now and reflect on that. Soon the groom is gonna come for his bride. And if you haven't accepted Jesus yet, we wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. So no one's looking around. Everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I want to give you an opportunity right now to invite Jesus into your heart, to meet this Jesus who we've been talking about today. If that's you, you're not sure if the rapture happened today. You're not sure if if your time was up today, if you would meet Jesus, but you want to know if you want to be ready, would you raise your hand right there in your seat? Hold it for just a moment. Hold your hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Spirit of God, for moving in this place today. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna out loud say a prayer together. There's nothing uh, supernatural necessarily about this prayer. What we're doing is we're just gonna make a commitment to follow Jesus. And so sometimes we do it in our hearts, sometimes we do it out loud. I'm gonna encourage us this time, let's all out loud uh, repeat this prayer here in just a moment. I like to do this on a regular basis because it just, just keeps me ready. I was one of those kids that every time the altar, I, I gotta get saved again. That's okay, you can keep saying that prayer over and over as long as you mean it with your heart. Everybody out loud, just say, dear Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I have messed up, I have failed, but I recognize you are the way, the truth, the life. You lived a sinless, perfect life, died on the cross for my sin and rose again. Today, I choose to follow you. From this day forward, I will live for you. Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer, we believe that you just got born again. Again, there's nothing incredible about that prayer per se. It's the commitment that you are making to follow Jesus. You're now saying, I'm no longer living for myself, for pleasure. I'm living for Jesus. And I'm pursuing every day a relationship with him. That's what it's all about, is having a relationship with Jesus. So uh, before we go, I'm just gonna invite all of us in this room to stand. We're gonna sing in just a moment. And as we do, I just want us as the bride of Christ to once again, just kind of send a message up to our groom. Hey Jesus, I'm thinking about you. Hey Jesus, I want my relationship with you to be hot. I want my relationship with you to be passionate. Can we just take a moment? If you wanna lift your hands, if you wanna lift your hearts, can we just do that right now? Lord, we surrender once again to you. Once again, we tell you that you are king, you are Lord. You are the one that we worship, you are the one that we adore. Lord, I pray that you would find us ready. I pray that we would not let our oil run out. We would have plenty of oil, that we would burn with passion for the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we build our lives on you right now.